that's also small differences, small pieces of performance that we try to extract. The general idea is you're not going to be able to look at the account and say, 3 a.m. is terrible. I don't want to advertise at 3 a.m. You can't really tell that. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ad Project Podcast. Um, today, I'm really excited to have Abe Shamali on from XP Strategy. Um, Abe, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Joe. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's been really fun. Like Abe and I have been chatting online for quite a while. We've been in the same space for quite a while and finally got to meet you in person at the Prosper Show, which was awesome in Vegas. And then just saw you recently again in New York. And man, it's just so fun to meet up with the community that we've got in the Amazon space. A hundred percent. After a year of like being home, it, it's been great to start of start being out in the world a little bit and putting names to faces and saying hi to people we haven't said hi to in quite a long time. It's really been great, like actually meeting people. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So for those who aren't familiar with you, maybe just give us a quick overview on you and kind of what you do. Oh boy. Okay. So the, <laughs> I guess there's a short answer and a long answer. Uh, we'll, we'll the take long the medium an- answer. <laughs> All right. So the medium, the medium answer is that I started selling for myself in 1991. So almost exactly 30 years ago at this point. And over that 30 years, I basically sold product across every platform, whether it was advertising in magazines or with my own website or Yahoo stores. And of course, as time progressed, it, uh, the, every path led to Amazon at some point. I ended up selling on Amazon for about 10 years. The opportunity came up to work with a few sellers to help them with their accounts. And I said, this seems like an interesting way to go. I sort of transitioned from selling into managing ads. And for the last three years, I've been managing ads for Amazon sellers across the platform. That is awesome. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Like we ended up taking the same path. You are much more of a veteran at selling than I am. Like I started in 2014 and then a couple of years down the road merged into advertising. I still sell a bit, but you know, whole focus is on advertising, but that is awesome. Since 1991, you've been through multiple iterations. When did you start on Amazon? About 10 years ago? I want to say I started in 2009. Okay. So, yeah, about 12 years ago. Yes. We started out when FBA – I feel like FBA was relatively new at the time. It was like a thing to send your goods into Amazon. But somehow I keep running into people who say they've been doing FBA since like 2004 or something. Sure. Or I, I just met somebody who said that they were one of the first five testers of FBA for Amazon. <laughs> that is awesome. I don't know if they're telling me the truth or not, but somebody had to be one of those first it's five. True. So I'll, I'll take it. First five, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody else has claimed that to me so far, so I'll take it as being true. But yeah, they were a bit ahead of me. That is awesome. But yeah, two, 2009, so about 10 years of selling on Amazon before transitioning over. Yeah, yeah, that is sweet. And, and so, you know, one of the fun topics that, that we've talked about, and I, I think would be awesome to bring up on the podcast, is talking through the topic of day partying. And on our podcast, we honestly haven't covered this as much, so I think it'll be an awesome topic to kind of dig into. Like, can you educate people who are listening to the podcast if they're not familiar with day party and like what it is and then let's jump kind of after that into your perspective on it kind of what you see overall sure so day parting is basically a term that means scheduling your ads by default amazon runs your ads all day long as soon as you turn on your account your ads are running and unless you've got like some sort of technical issue your ads will run 24 7 365 um Day parting is 
effectively scheduling your ads so they run at times you want. Sometimes people will run their ad only on weekdays. Sometimes people will run their ads only on regular business hours, like uh, nine to five. Sometimes people will prefer to run their ads in the evenings. You know, there are all kinds of thinkings that people have about when they want to run their ads that might be most effective. But the basic concept is that you're turning your ads on and off on a regular schedule, and you'll know when those times are. So that's the basic concept of day parting. Sure, sure. Yep. And like, like we've done this too. We've got it programmed into our software. We can definitely do it and turn it on. And overall, I mean, we're... It, there's certain applications for when we can implement day partying, but there's a lot of times where it doesn't seem to make sense. So I don't know, give me some examples on when you might use day partying or when your clients have wanted you to use day partying and what's, what's your take on it overall? What have you seen? All right. So the most common situation where people want day parting is when they have a limited amount of ad budget and they want to spend that in a way that looks to them to be most effective. And the scenario that people run into is pretty straightforward. If you've got an ad budget of, say, a few hundred dollars a day, you might come into the office or turn on your phone when you wake up in the morning and see that most, if not all, of your ad has ad money has been spent. You know, by 10 a.m., 12 p.m., 2 p.m., all your money is spent, and you don't see a lot of sales in the account compared to what you'd expect for that spend. And you feel like the whole day is happening now, the afternoon and the evening and times when people buy. All of that is happening, and your ads aren't running. It's, uh, you know, it, the frustration is definitely understandable. And in a situation like that, people say, hey, I want to turn off my ad at 4 a.m., and I want to run it at 4 p.m., so I basically want to make sure that it's running in the times when I think I'm going to make the most sales. So that's the most common situation. Other common situations are people who have quiet weekends. Almost every seller, if they're in tune with their account, will have a busiest day of the week and they'll have a quietest day of the week. Monday for many sellers is the busiest day of the week. Thursday or Friday might be the quietest days of the week. Maybe it has to do with getting your paycheck on a Friday. So maybe Thursday, everyone is like waiting until that clears. Other people might have their credit card statement flip on a certain day of the month. That also might be a lull around common convert, you know, common uh, credit card statement dates. But People who are in tune with their accounts, they'll know that there are busier days and quieter days, and they don't want to spend the same on the quieter days that they do on the busier days. Sure. So those are those are the two main situations. Money running out and – I mean, they're both different forms of money running out, but it can be either on a middle-of-the-day basis or a day-of-the-week basis. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, that, that's great. And how, how do you typically do that? Or have you seen good results by doing day partying? Do you typically recommend that? Like, how do you approach that overall in the in these different circumstances? So there are always going to be exceptions. But my general position is I don't love the idea. Um, like I said, it gets discussed a lot. I spend a lot of time saying it's not the best way to manage your account. And the reason is simple. Amazon, when Amazon gives us data, they don't tell us when your click turned into a sale. And without that information, you can't tell when the actual sale, you know, what the, what the connection is between your spend and your sales. The simplest example is this. If you look at your ad account and your seller central at 3 p.m. today and you take a snapshot and you look at it the next morning, you're going to see completely different numbers, like way out of proportion from whatever the afternoon sales were. 
Amazon is not telling us what the connection is between the click and the sale. And because of that, we can't tell if that spend that happened on a slow Sunday or early in the morning actually turned into orders. Sure. It's funny because, not funny, but I spent a long time trying to find the right way to explain it to sellers. I would show data or we would try it and it wouldn't make a difference. Or I would, you know, there would be all kinds of ways I tried to illustrate it. And then one day I hit on it. I told the client, uh, open up your Amazon app, the one that you use to buy stuff, and tell me, do you have items in your shopping cart? And they opened it and they said yes. And I'm like, oh, thank God this was a client that, <laughs> that <laughs> said yes. Uh, inevitably, it would be the one guy that has nothing ever in his cart. <laughs> right. I said, listen, you you put items in your cart. You might have put them in today. You might have put it in yesterday. You might have put it in a week ago. But you didn't buy them yet. Now, if some of those items ended up in your cart from a sponsored ad, that click got charged at the time you paid for that click. But that order is not going to happen until you clear your card out and make the purchase. And that was like the light bulb moment. Everybody understands that they put things into their cart at one point in time and buy things at a different point in time. They might buy something. They might like wake up bleary eyed and pick up their phone first thing and then like uh, buy something that they think they need. And, uh, They'll add it to the cart, but not be sure they want to buy anything else that day. Then they'll buy at 4 p.m. That's why it looks like a lot of sales happen at 4 p.m. because they're happening in the afternoons. But the add to carts are happening earlier in the mornings. Amazon definitely doesn't give us data about when add to carts happen. It might be floating around somewhere, but we don't get it as sellers. The, The main thing is that you don't know when your click is turning into a sale. So you might be turning things off unintentionally in times when orders would happen at some point. Sure. Um. Also, there's a reality in which at 4 a.m., there is just fewer clicks and sales. You might think that your ad money ran out by 2 p.m., but it's entirely possible that if you kept it off until 3 p.m., that your ads might have run out in 30 minutes as opposed to five hours, just because that amount of traffic for your product is just higher overall. So your budget is really the factor that needs to be addressed, not the timing. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I mean, just getting to a couple of your points and just like from experiences that we've seen. So one thing that blew me away, going to DSP, um, you can actually track add to carts and then compare to actual amount of orders. And what blew me away is how much higher add to carts are than actual orders. Like I'm one of those weird people, Abe, that doesn't use their add to cart, like have something sitting in their cart. Like usually if I add it in, I'm getting ready to purchase right there. So in my mind, like I didn't know that that was a thing until we saw DSP stats and it's like, holy man, people use their add to cart, like their shopping cart kind of as a wish list in certain ways. Yeah. Yeah. The amounts just blew me away for the differences between the two. Right. Does DSP tell you, though, when the sale happened compared to when the add to cart happened? Uh, no. Nope, it doesn't. They, don't, yep. they still don't give so you, you that can, time. You can see they just the ratio illi- between the two, but you can't see when they, the two happen, too. And I'm sure there's, right. there's a good leg there, just especially with how many, like, you know, if it's a 10 to 1 in terms of add to cart versus orders, I don't think it was that extreme, but it was decently extreme. Like, you know, the times, the, the, yeah. the total delay in the cart is probably pretty decent, too. I mean, I've heard anecdotally from people that claim to know that it's like a three or three to one or four to one ratio sure. of add to carts to orders. Sure. There's no way, there's definitely no way to verify it, but uh, that seems like the right ratio to me. If I look at how many things I've bought last month compared to the items that are in my cart, it's probably something like that. Sure, sure. 
Yeah. And, and the limitations that we have too, like, I mean, so you're, you're kind of tying back to the attribution model. So the sale is attributed back to the click whenever that happens, but that may not occur for days after. And that's why when you look the next day, it's going to look a lot different than it did in the afternoon. We had done some tests for day of our day partying where we set up campaigns and one campaign would go on for four hours and then the next one would turn on for four hours. And so we could see if there was a change in conversion rate over time. We saw a little step up in the evening, but to like truly run day partying itself, like you either have to segment into all these individual campaigns if you have the budget available. And if not, if you're running out, like the amount was pretty insignificant overall between the two. And, you know, it, it attributed back to when the click happened. And so due to that, in terms of day partying, like we don't really push that much either because we're not seeing that much of a benefit. And if they have the budget and we want to schedule it throughout the day, now the, the con for that is you're splitting the data between all these separate campaigns that you now have to individually optimize too. Right. I, you know, I'm on the same page with you in terms of day partying. A lot of people ask us for it. In terms of actual results, we just haven't seen too much that, you know, really moves the needle there. Yeah, I mean, there's actually the super advanced thinking, which also comes into play, or there's two layers of things to add to what you've been seeing. The first one is you might be running into a situation where there are external factors also addressing, you know, also causing those differences in conversion rate, sure. not just the day parting. So you might have competitors that run out of budget or other things. You know, there might be uh, any one of a number of things that, that I can't you know, think of right now, but there might be other things besides just the time of day that are affecting those conversion rates. But there is a separate thing in which each campaign has its own quality score inside Amazon. And if that campaign that's doing the best was a significant difference, you might run into a weird situation where it hurts the performance the rest of the day because the lower quality time frame campaign just gets worse and worse in relation. Whereas if they were all together, they would all be carried by the best performing times of day. Sure. If that makes sense. Sure. Yep. That's like a, it's like a thinking out loud thing, but I know that I can tell you that quality of campaign over time is definitely a factor in performance. If you take a, a keyword out of a high performing campaign and you put it into a brand new campaign, everybody's run into situations where it just doesn't do as well as it was doing in the other campaign, even with a higher bid or an isolated budget or something like that. The reality is Amazon likes older high performing campaigns and splitting things out, you'll isolate what's worst and what's best. Sure. Sure. Yep. That totally makes sense. Yeah. And the, the other case that, that you went through too for day partying, which we, we kind of refer to as like day of week optimization. So between like the Saturday and the Monday situation, that is one thing that we do track. We, we use a little machine learning algorithm that kind of predicts the day of the week. And then, it, you know, based off of like cyclical trends, we'll boost bids or cut them back a bit. But I mean, for that case too, like these are, these are percentage changes in bids that we're seeing. It's not a huge amount that we're seen from day to day and what makes it tricky is the attribution model like at least for day of week you can tie you know when was that last click that gets attributed to the sales it would be so much nicer if we could see when those actual steps came into play when the sales were actually performed that would give us a much better idea on kind of how to optimize these pieces yeah i mean those are those are the things that people hire agencies for you know to really analyze data at the most most detailed level yep. That's definitely something I do with clients also. You know, if I have uh, 40 or 50 clients, every single one has a little bit different need and they've got 
different things that the data tells us and we optimize in different ways for those accounts. Yeah. That's also small differences, small pieces of performance that we try to extract. Sure. The general the general idea is you're not going to be able to look at the account and say 3 a.m. is terrible. I don't want to advertise at 3 a.m. <laughs> you can't really tell that. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yep. yep. Once you see multiple accounts on the level like we do, now you can dig in there and try to find patterns and everything. But just looking at a single account and, you know, if you're coming in, it, it's, yeah, it, you can't just come in and say that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, and people try, and people try yeah. to. <laughs> so as you have new clients that, that are coming in to work with you, Abe, like what's some common things that you're finding that like key areas is for opportunity? Are you finding any consistent patterns where you're like, huh, man, I, I wish more people would be doing something like this? Sure. There are actually two things that I see. The first thing that I see is listing quality that is not great. Sure. In a lot of cases, you know, we were discussing this before we went live. And the one thing that we both see is that a lot of times sellers will come to us with a listing that doesn't look great. And the first thing that I do is I try to compare my client's products to the competition that they're selling against. And if we immediately see that there are no infographics or there's no A plus content, but the brand is registered to be able to list A plus content, or there are no product videos, whereas all the competitions got product videos. The first thing that I say is, if you want to boost your performance, let's get these things into place. Sure. It's even better in some cases to wait a little bit of time before ramping up ads in order to get that stuff in, in line. And, um, you know, we can bring shoppers to product pages. That's what we do with advertising. But the content is what turns those visitors into purchasers. Sure. And that part is a little bit out of our hands. You know, we can recommend a coupon or something, but if the rating isn't high or if the listings don't look great, they look like they were taken on a 2019 iPhone or something, sure. you know, they're not going to turn into sales, especially with what the competition looks like with advanced sellers these days. Yeah. So that's sort of the first thing that I tell sh sellers is let's evaluate your quality of content. Uh, the second thing that I see, and this is... It's, it's sort of like an easy win at the beginning, but it's also a little bit frustrating is I don't ever see negative terms in seller accounts. Okay. Um, I'll see an account where every single month they're spending tons and tons of money on hundreds and hundreds of keywords that each have one, two, three clicks. And if you would look at it for even a second, you would tell that there's no chance of this keyword ever making a sale. Sure. You know, you might have a T-shirt and you'll have a keyword of a candy and the product has nothing to do with candy. <laughs> you know, like you'll have a black T-shirt and you'll get a you'll get a click for black licorice. Yeah. Obviously, black licorice has no relevance to the T-shirt because the sellers are not cleaning those things out. They say, oh, it's only one click or it's only 20 cents or whatever it might be. The problem is that Amazon never really learns what your product is. Yep. And the way we, the way Amazon learns what your product is, is by us telling them what it isn't. And we say, okay, hey, it's not black licorice and it's not a pair of shoelaces and it's not a spaghetti sauce. You know, this is a t-shirt. Sure. So all of these keywords, let's get rid of them after even one click. Yep. And the almost almost as soon as we start doing that performance gets a lot tighter sure so that's something that you know you don't need to be with an agency you know you can do it yourself and you should be doing it regularly to look for keywords which are totally off base and get rid of them even after one click that is awesome yeah i mean so just recapping like your first point i 
I just want to stress how big like conversion rate is for your product detail page like, and your products and everything. I mean, that, that is the most like leveraged point you have as a seller. Uh, so if Abe or I are optimizing your campaigns and you can switch up the detail page to convert at twice the rate, guess what? Our ACoS just drops in half automatically without us doing anything. And so conversion rate is so critical, not only on the advertising side in terms of results, but for organic rankings. Like that's a huge flag that you're relevant and Amazon's going to sell it and send more and more people there. So conversion rates and making sure that that uh, product detail page is fully optimized is so critical. It can save you so much money on your advertising or make you so much money just through those extra sales you're going to get. Oh yeah, that's definitely. I mean, people come to us when they need help with their with their account. Yep. So that's the that's the first thing that we can do to help them and help things at uh, help performance increase. Yeah, yeah. And then for your second point too, I, so I I've seen some data purists and they'll say, Abe, you can't weed those negatives out. Like we haven't got a statistically significant amount of data that's coming in to know that that keyword's not going to convert. And I, I I look at them and I'm like, what? I can tell that it doesn't make sense. <laughs> and so I think oh, that yeah. that's the big thing. And that, that's what I see, like people who are relying on pure automation, which without any like human input to it, like you need that intuition too. advertising's an art and a science, and there's no need to waste money on keywords that you know are not going to convert. You don't need to spend more to get the clicks without a sale to say, okay, let's weed it out. So there's a, there's actually a second issue. I've run into scenarios where sales will happen for keywords that are irrelevant, and it actually increases the return rates. Sure, um, oh, sure. Because the product, the you know, the shopper might be hurried or on their phone, and they say, "Oh, this is what showed up." It's sort of close, but it turns out that it's missing something really important, sure. like the difference between a modem and a router. If you're into computers, you know that uh, people throw around those words all the time together, but they're not the same. And if you're selling a router and a shopper's looking for a modem and you're coming up for the wrong word, you'll make sales that will all turn into returns. Yep. Returns so, and potential bad reviews too. Right. But the conversion rate looks great sure. and your ACoS looks great, but you're not seeing the returns on the other end because Amazon's not connecting it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So what's like a couple of key takeaways for those listening? We're coming into Q4, traffic's really ramping up. Like what, what should be some key focus areas? All right. So key focus number one, going back to the day parting, don't spend a lot of time thinking about it and worrying about it. There might be a tiny in improvement you can get. Might be. It's not clear. It's not for sure. It's not the best place to spend your time and your thinking. Sure. There are almost definitely other things you can optimize first that will make much bigger differences for your account than that scheduling. So that's number one. Number two, get your quality of listing in line with the best competitors you've got. The people that sell the most almost always have the best listings. Make sure you are there. If you want to take a, a sale from someone else, you've got to look better. Just as good is the minimum bar, and better is really where you should be at. Sure. And the third thing, I'll leave it to you. Actually, <laughs> uh, I, I've given you, I, I've given you two already. <laughs> yep. So product detail page, tune in that up. That's great for a spot to start. And then after that, I would say really going through your campaigns, like looking at negatives, making sure you've got a really solid foundation. Uh, good rule of thumb is that, I mean, right now, uh, whatever issues you have in your campaigns or your product detail pages are just going to be amplified over the next couple of months. So now's the time to really go 
through, scrub through the campaigns, look for negatives, move high converters down the funnel, all that other good stuff we talk about. But if you build up that solid foundation now before traffic really ramps up, you're going to make a lot more in sales. You're going to save yourself a lot of money as you go. Yeah, agreed. All the way, all the way through, agreed. Yeah, yeah. So, Abe, I could talk to you forever. I always enjoy talking to you. But just to to wrap this one up, like for people who want to learn more about you, what you do, where should they connect with you? So you can connect with me in a bunch of different places. I've got my website. My company website is xpstrategy.com. There is a contact us forum there if you'd like to reach out to me there. You can also find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Facebook. You know, all of the regular places where social media people hang out, that's where you can find me. If you happen to like Clubhouse, I also spend a little bit too much time there as well discussing advertising and other Amazon stuff. So you can add me there and you'll probably get notifications when I'm online. That is awesome. That is awesome. Well, Abe, I really appreciate you taking the time to join the podcast. And I'm really looking forward to that next conference when I get to see you in person again. Oh, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Thanks again for joining the podcast. It was awesome having you on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Joe. I appreciate it. 